Hello and welcome to the pep talk with your two favorite bald frauds, Sam and Jason. We're here to talk about, I think City played a dead rubber this past weekend. Wasn't that it? We're going to be talking about the fucking treble. (laughs) (laughs) City just won the treble. That's all we're going to be talking about today. City won the treble. City won the Champions League. Nothing but great vibes. European champions. You just got to say you got to say it a few times to actually for it to to sit in with you, you know. European champions. That's all you, that's all you, that you get if you just keep repeating that. You put it on repeat and you just feel better and better. European champions. That's what Manchester City are right now. And what a feeling. I I and you know, if you listen to the last few pods that we've done I was so anxious and I wanted this for so long now and I've wanted this feeling and now I know why I wanted this feeling. It's the best feeling. It's so good. Look, as great as beating Man United in the FA Cup was, <laughs> everyone now would realize how amazing this feeling is being European champions. It means a lot. It means something more for all of us. And you can see the reactions on the city side and on every side how how it goes, man. So that's how I'm feeling right now. I'm ecstatic. I am in like still on cloud nine, man. I am still on cloud nine. I don't know about you. How are you feeling? <laughs> so it and you know this. It was tough for it to sink in at the time because I was at a wedding watching this on my phone. <laughs> Uh, as much as it sucks every single time city have been in a big game or recently at least in like the end of the year i have been at a wedding the champions league final against chelsea i was in a hotel room in michigan uh right before my cousin's wedding and was able to watch it before the wedding started just watched it from my hotel room then the Aston Villa last game last year, I was in a hotel room in LA watching it before one of my best friend's weddings. And then this year, I'm at the wedding that time. The, the other two were in hotel rooms. This one, I was at the wedding watching it on my phone. And so it, <laughs> it, it was kind of tough for it to sink in because there's just so much going on around me. It's like, It's like I almost like couldn't enjoy it. I couldn't just like sit back and think about it because like the second it was over, it was like we're singing, dancing and eating and talking with people and all this stuff. So um, it was always like kind of in the back of my head, but I really didn't get to enjoy it until yesterday, which was Sunday for me. And that's when I could really like soak in all the social media content that city was putting out see the celebrations see jack grealish singing at 5 a.m because he hadn't (laughs) slept just grabbing the mic just stuff like that like it that's when it really started sinking in it was it was absolutely beautiful and what a weekend man what a weekend it it, it still doesn't feel real you know you look back and you go, 
Was it all a dream? <laughs> that's that's the feeling that sits in with you. And like you said, after the game, I literally sat because <clears throat> for me, the game finished around 7.30 in the morning. Um, yeah, I woke up at 5 in the morning. I woke up a lot earlier than 5 in the morning, let's be honest. Um, but after the game, I just sat down and like you said, just tried to soak it all in. Um, I told my wife before, before you know, like I need the day. I need, I need this day. You know, take the kids, do whatever you want to do for the day. I need a few hours just to, just to let it sink in. Let let me soak everything in. And I was just like watching and consuming every bit of content. Um, you know, multiple social media websites, multiple social uh, social media things on Twitter on. Reddit, whatever you want to, whatever you want to be on, messaging people that are, you know that are close to you, etc. Um, just trying to soak it all in because there was so much, um, <clears throat> and you just want to be there in, in that moment because, yeah, man, the, the feeling was just insane, absolutely insane. We'll, we'll talk about you know a bit later about the full time whistle um, and and the game itself, but yeah, man, <laughs> yeah. It it was an emotional roller coaster for me, um, but by the end of the game, it was just, yeah, it's just it, I can't, I still can't believe it. it. Still hasn't hit me properly. No, I don't think City fans, myself included, might not appreciate what we have achieved. Maybe for another week, maybe even two weeks, maybe even a month. It's not it, it, like we just done a treble. Right, this has only been done once before. Like when I used to look back and, and look at 1999's Manchester United treble, I used to look at that and go, "No one's ever going to do that probably again." It's one of those things that you look at and go, "Yeah, maybe, maybe one day." You like, but you don't think it's going to happen. And to go from where we were just a few months ago, I don't think anyone would have thought that we're winning the treble. I know I seen your bet by the way that you put on in February. Fair play to you. Um, yeah, I did that when City were like. <laughs> 10 points behind Arsenal and I think it was (laughs) and I think it was like right before or right when we got the Champions League draw too and you're like shit we got to play Bayern and then Madrid and then at the time we thought we were going to have to play Napoli in the final was it before or after we lost the Spurs I think it was after it was February 13th. When did we play Spurs? Yeah, so that was, I think that was before we played. I think that was after we played Spurs and we lost to them. Yeah, it was after because we'll I think, and, and that was probably close around to the time where we got hit with the charges as well. We lost 1 nothing to Spurs on the 5th of there February. So it was right yeah. after. It was the day after we beat Villa 3 1. And it was yep. two days was- before we beat Arsenal. Yeah, and that was a few, and the, uh, and, the, and the Villa game was only a few days after the Chargers got hit down. So, yeah, like that. Maybe that, that's though, why I bet it. Yeah, that week as a whole was just a nightmare for for City fans. Like I remember being in the dumps that week, um, in terms of like just the 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 emotions that came from the Chargers, the loss to Spurs. You know, it was, felt like a transition season and all this stuff. <laughs> and four months later, we've just done a fucking trouble. That's, I remember that's just, thinking- It's insane. It's absolutely insane, man. <laughs> you you may- just sit back and you start laughing. <laughs> may- maybe it was just me, but I saw slow improvement after the World Cup. And 
the Spurs game was kind of a little blip, but I saw improvement. And I think once those charges hit, I was like, okay, now City have some motivation. Like you saw Pep, it was like right around when Pep did that press conference and you're like, this team's got motivation. They're going to go fucking win everything. And made the bet. It was 17. For anybody that doesn't know, I bet City to win the treble in February at 17 to 1. I only put 10 bucks on it. So 170. I wish I put 1,000 so I could retire. (laughs) But it happens. (laughs) Look, at that point in time, I don't think anyone thought we'd do what we did. You know, like you, at the time, I was like, if we win, if we win a trophy by the end of the season, it would be a good season. Um, and 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 that was the interesting bit. You know, when we got to the Champions League final, the expectation was for us to win it. And I guess we'll talk about the game soon. But you know, the expectation for us was to win it. That was the expectation. We were heavy, heavy favorites. I actually looked back. Um, you know, before a few hours before the game, I was just curious to see like how, in terms of odds, in terms of favorites and all that we were probably the biggest favorites in a final um for years it's like i think that's the biggest favorites ever for a champions league final or like yeah, in yeah, a really 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 long time yeah it's, it's it was like huge huge difference like right like even even i thought we were even bigger i thought we were massive favorites against chelsea but even even against chelsea the the, the indications are still a lot more closer, right? Even Madrid and surprising um, Liverpool was ma- massive favorites last year as well, um, and they lost. But yeah, you look. But at even the, the like pay- they weren't as big of favorites as City no, against Inter. No. Just just looking and at Madrid it, like ha- and Madrid has quality more a bit more quality in terms of like the players or the superstars that were involved. Um, yeah, like it's Madrid. They're never going to be that big of underdogs. And yeah, correct. when correct. you look at Chelsea that year, Chelsea finished third in the league and they had Frank Lampard at the beginning of the year. So Tuchel really had them like turned around like they they might have competed for the title if they had Tuchel the entire year. So, yeah, and, the, and the, you, and you the, never the, know. And the, and their Champions League run that year is a bit underrated. They went through some tough teams. And if you look at, I, think Did, I was looking at the 538 website, there were... Their SBI was like 88 to R93, for example. So, like, the difference wasn't that much. It, this year, the the RSBI or the indication, what they call, like, 538 calculation of how strong a team is, City was 93 this year to Inter 77. That's the, that was the gap. It's probably the biggest gap I've ever seen on, a, like, a, on, a, on, a, on an analytical side. Um, so, yeah, it was, we, we were heavy, heavy favorites. And then, like, everyone expected us to win. So... We had this pressure on us to win the game, but if you go, like I said, three months ago, I was I would have been happy with a single trophy, right? But you get to this point, it seems like oh, I want everything, <laughs> do the fucking treble, and we fucking did it, man. Like, yeah, I mean, if, if we're here, surreal, you might man. as well do it. Yeah, it's surreal, man. I, I still can't believe we've done it. Like just just saying, Manchester City are treble winners, but not only just treble winners, but European champion treble win- winners. It's just oh. So that I'm I'm looking at Chelsea's run that year. That was a pretty a tough run. Like yeah, they they had to play Atletico, which we know was never easy. No. Um, they played no, Porto, and no, who was better, very and good were, last and, year, and they were a good team. Atletico was a good team that year. Same same again. Yeah, year they play. Yeah, 
And then they played Porto, who was really good that year. That was when they had Luis Diaz, and mm-hmm. um, like that team was really, really good. Uh, barely beat Porto, beat them two to one on aggregate, and then beat Real Madrid, which is never yep. easy. And yep. so, yeah, I. They didn't just beat Madrid. They didn't actually just beat Madrid. If if not many people like uh, besides Chelsea, oh, they hammered them. They absolutely smashed them. Like, it was it was, it was kind the, of similar sco- to what it's yeah. The score doesn't do them justice, score doesn't basically. do them justice. Like the first the first leg, it was one one, and the xg was one point seven for Chelsea and point seven for Madrid. And then the second leg was two nil to Chelsea, but Chelsea had four xg and Madrid had point five. Yeah, it was an absolute hammering, absolute hammering. Like it's similar similar to what we did to Madrid, just we had clinical finishes. That was a difference, um, and that's and I think kind of a lot of a lot of people kind of underestimated Chelsea that year um, because of where they were f- a few months prior to their run. But anyway, enough about Chelsea. Fuck Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, we, we won the title. Now we I know we got on a little bit of a tangent, but we won the title. Let, let's go through the game first. Before we start looking at, like, the implications and stuff. So, obviously, both of us were shitting ourselves, like, going into this game. Like, my... I put this also on Twitter. is like, my Apple Watch was just going insane the entire game. Like, your heart rate is really high, and you're not moving. What's going on? Like, I'm perfectly fine. Don't worry about me. Um, And... It was just, it was so nerve-wracking starting the game. So what did you think? I know we were looking at how we were going to start. Really, the back line was the question. Like, was Walker going to start? Was Ake going to start? It seemed like we agreed that Akanji was going to start. Yep. Were you surprised that Ake got the start over Walker? No. So that, for me, for me, everyone, like, a lot of people arguing, like, Mares, Foden, and... You know, Akanji that wasn't going to happen. A, a lot of people were saying Akanji and Walker, and me the whole time I've just been saying he's starting Akanji and Ake. He's doing the four center backs at the back just because of how interplay. And you, when we talk about the game in a bit, <laughs> you need those four center backs in that back line when you're playing Inter the way they play. Um, so it just made sense. It, the, the, I never, I never thought we needed Walker's pace. You know, I, I, I loved how Walker played against Madrid, but. He was perfect against Madrid because he has one job, and that job is to shut down Vinicius Jr., and he does that brilliantly. And that's exactly where, when you need a, a Walker-type player. You know, even if you, even if we had Walker, if Walker was you know playing the way he was playing against Madrid, he would have done well against Bayern Munich as well. But against Madrid, he's perfect because they've got an amazing superstar in Vinicius Jr. And we've seen what Vinicius Jr. did to Fernandinho when he was playing right back. So for me, I had no surprises at all. Like I... It was what I expected. So as soon as I seen the line, perfect. This is this is the lineup I would have picked no matter what. <clears throat> um, you know, I was always happy whether he picked Walker or Ake, um, but him going with with Ake, Akanji, uh, Stones, Ruben Diaz, phew, I was completely fine with it. Um, I was shitting bricks before the for, before the game, um, but the lineup did put me a little bit at ease. I it, it just said. Pep's picking the same players. These guys have brought us this far. Let's trust them the rest of the way. Yeah, I agree. Because, you know, uh, I guess some of the 
quote unquote criticisms of City after the game, which I listened to ESPN FC after. Well, they it's their show, but then they put it in podcast form also. And one thing I really like about them is they'll kind of celebrate City winning, but then they'll also give honest analysis of the game. And one thing they were saying, and I mean, fair play to them. They're not City fans. They probably watch a bunch of City, and I think they do because they, they just do a pretty good job in general. But um, one thing they said is like, well, why did you change the lineup, Pep? You know, like, the, look at Real Madrid. Why would you change that? To me, I thought, well, technically that Real Madrid lineup was changed, right? Because for the entire Champions League, it was Ake and Akanji as the fullbacks, and then Ake gets injured, so Akanji has to move to the left side and Walker on the right. And that started, yeah. I think it was the second leg against Bayern was the first time we saw that. Yeah, I don't it, remember it, exactly. It, w- it wouldn't have surprised me if if Walker never even got to start against Madrid if Ake never got injured. That's something to consider, right? Like Walker only got his spot to begin with because yeah, Ake we, got injured. Yeah, we don't we don't know how fit Ake was for Madrid. I don't, and we don't know. Like obviously, it worked because Walker was perfect against Vinicius, so it might have been a tactical thing too, where yeah, Pep was planning on starting him the whole time. But it could have been something where Pep may have started Ake on the left and Walker on the right for tactical reasons. We don't know. Um, the point is, is that Ake was fit and there is no pace really for Walker to guard against down the left. Because even even against United, it made sense because you thought which Rashford kind of played through the middle. But it, you don't know that until the game starts. You'd assume he was coming down the left. So, yeah. Walker would be needed there as well, which I I don't think that's, you know, against Vinicius, I think that's a big deal. I don't think it's a big deal really against anybody else because, like, look at the pacey, dangerous wingers Bayern had. Akanji did perfectly fine against them. So yeah. <laughs> I, I don't the, know about that much, but and, yeah, and I, I wasn't thing, surprised. Yeah, and the funny thing is Akanji started literally, like, every game this season. He, he, went, he literally yeah. went from... He went from a 15 million fifth choice center back to I'm going to start you every single game, especially every single important game. <laughs> what, a, what a season for him, by the way. What a season. Yeah. I can't believe it. <laughs> I never that's yeah. something I never expected. As much as I never expected City to win the treble, I never expected that I at the end of the season I'd be saying Akanji was probably the se- the signing of the season in terms of like context of his price and you know as I say, pound for pound player. Yeah, like what he brought to this team is just crazy. Um, yeah. But yeah, but yeah. so I, going into the game. It, 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 yeah, it makes sense. Like the, the lineup made sense because Ake and Nakanji are just better in the buildup than Walker. Like they're, they're better at passing through lines and playing out. And our buildup needed to be perfect. And I guess we'll talk about that now because... Our build-up probably wasn't perfect in that first twenty minutes of the game, was it? No, I think. I, think, I mean, I think, for, it, I think for you, you probably know better than me um, in terms of in terms of how the game went in that first 20, 30 minutes because you watched the game again um, with a clear head. The first time we watched it, I was just an emotional wreck, and I was just like, "What are we doing?" <laughs> so I could have I could have read a few things wrong, but my my vibe and my feeling while watching that first 20 to 30 minutes was A, we're very sloppy on the ball. B, we are 
not just sloppy on the ball, but the, our touches were just bad. Like every every touch just felt wrong. I felt like there was a bit bit of nerves, a lot of nerves in the players, and the build up wasn't good. But you got to give a bit of credit to Inter. They, I feel like tactically they set up really really well. And I in the pre in the podcast prior to this, we you know me and you were talking about it, and I kind of expected Inter to. I didn't expect Inter to press as much as they did, but I did expect. Inter to annoy us and bother us a lot, um, which made the game a low-scoring affair and, and um, gave us a lot of issues. But yeah, you know, you probably know a lot more because you kind of watched the game again, um, and uh, you did a great thread on Twitter about how the game and how we set up tactically. So I'll let I'll let you you know talk me through that first the first half, what you think of it, and what where we went wrong, or you know what what, what do you think where it went wrong for us. <clears throat> So, I did not, ex- like, and I told you this beforehand, uh, I said it on Twitter multiple times, like, I knew Inter were not going to just park the bus. I, I knew that wasn't going to happen. And it didn't. Like, Inter had 51% possession in the first half. They had more possession than City. So, I knew they weren't going to do that. What they like to do is press in the midfield. So, they're not going to press our center back super high. And especially with Jekko, like Jekko's not going to do all that running. And so the the emphasis was on the midfield because what they want to do is they want to take it off you in the midfield and that springs the counterattack because then they have forward runners from the midfield, they have the wingbacks running up, and they have their two forwards. And next thing you know, they're outnumbering you getting bodies in the box, right? So that's where they, that's like their sweet spot. That's where they want to take it off of you. And that's where they want to launch their counterattacks. And so, and you know, it's a three, five, two or five, three, two, however you want to say it. So really there's nobody out wide. Like there's, there's the wingbacks out wide and that's it. Everyone else is centrally. So city's tactic going into this was, well, let's abandon the middle of the pitch. Then we're going to go wide. And they did that. Like they, they really didn't build up through the middle. They went wide a lot, and it was weird to see because Stones was like a legit central midfielder. Like he wasn't just the defensive midfielder stepping up from center back. Like he was a central midfielder, and so City made a diamond in central midfield where Stones was. On the right side, um, Gundogan, it started out with Kevin De Bruyne on the left side, and then about 15, 20 minutes in, Gundogan went to the left side, and then there was basically like a number 10 up top, kind of right right under Holland, and that's where Gundogan started, then Kevin De Bruyne, and basically like the goal was to start moving guys out of position, because that's what you need to do against Inter, is like you need to get them away from being compact. And you need to move people out of position. And with that shape, you are moving people out of position because either they need a midfielder to go wide or, you know, if you get it to one of those two wide central midfielders, either somebody's got to pick him up, right? So it's either going to be a central midfielder is going to have to go wide to pick him up or it's not going to be a wingback because the wingback is occupied with the winger or the one of the center backs is going to have to push really high. And that's what Inter did is they would have like on the left side, if Gundogan received it out wide, Darmian was pushing up really high. Well, what does that do? That that starts leaving space, right? 
And that's kind of where City's tactic was the entire time is like, let's see who moves out of position and let's exploit that space. So that's what they did. And every decent chance came from that. So I know City didn't have a lot of them in the first half, especially like there was really good one from Bernardo, I think in the fifth minute where he just whizzed. Yeah. Uh, he, he whizzed that shot right by. There was Holland was through on that was, surpri- that that was surprisingly close that Bernardo chance. Oh yeah, and then I think the other place. big chance was Holland was through on goal, um, in the, around the twenty fifth minute. I think. Uh, other than that, there really wasn't a ton. I don't think it was down to the tactics. Like I know people will say, "Oh, you know, Pep overthinks whatever." This wasn't overthinking. I think it was the players just were were kind of off. Like the the final ball just wasn't there and that's at least what i thought yeah you know in that in that first half i felt a lot of touches were going bad you know like we had like you know a lot of a lot of things that we do really really well is when we're clicking you can see it right the 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 passes are crisp the touches are crisp everything just flows really well and a lot of times we're missing passes or, or or failing to control the ball with like no pressure, and it's like, what is happening? Why are we doing this? That that was my feeling in that first you know half an hour to forty five minutes. You know, I think there was there was a there was a pass from Edison to Diaz, and Diaz had a bad touch, and then went into Barella, and Barella had a basically a shot at goal where Edison was not in his goal, and luckily he went wide. Um, things like that were just like. You know, not very typical of this city team in the last, you know, last four months. We don't, we weren't, we were not making mistakes like that at all. And I think it comes down to nerves. It's, and 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 this is and this is why I've always said once you win this first Champions League, it gets easier the next time because you don't have these nerves. You know, you're not going to have this. The weight on these players' shoulders won't be there anymore the next time they're in a final. They're not going to feel that way. They're just going to be full of confidence and just like. Yeah, we've been here. Just another day in the office. You know what I mean? So, <clears throat> for me, that's that was the feeling that I had in that first half. And Pep said it really, really well in his um, pre-conference, one of his um, press conferences before the game. He said, he said, Italian teams do something really well and it, they make you feel like you're losing when you're actually just, you're in a nil or draw. You feel like you're losing. And that's what it felt like as City fans. And I'm sure a lot of City fans felt the same. You feel like you're losing, but it's still nil all. Like you're not losing the game. It's just you're not you're not in full control because you're not winning the game, right? But it feels like you're losing, even though you're not. And that's something that Inter did really, really well. They, I feel like they annoyed us a lot. And you know, ticky tacky fouls. You know, um, a lot of diving on the floor. They do annoying things, and that you just got to deal with it. And that's something that they did really, really well. You got to give credit to Inter the way they play. You know, they knew they weren't. Um, yeah, like they've got talent, don't get me wrong, but then they still don't have the quality that City has on the ball. Um, so, but yeah, credit to them. They, I think they, I actually think Inter played so well in that first half. You know, tactically, the, the setup, the the way they were driving the ball forward. Onana's a great distributor of the ball as well. Um, so for me, like, I'd say the 45 minutes to, to be nil all was a fair result. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I would. Um, 
there wasn't really much created on either side just because I see I would push back when people say like inter controlled the game no they because didn't. I or at least even in the first half I, I would push back on that just because inter like they you're the game is always going to be played on their terms just because of the way they defend like you're going to have to adjust or else they will control it right but I wouldn't say they controlled the game because they offered basically zero threat until the until they had to get a goal until they were chasing the game they offered little to nothing like Jekko was basically non-existent all we heard all week everything was like watch out for Jekko he's going to be the holdup man and everything's going to come from Jekko holding up the ball and Lautaro I didn't hear I, I, do you remember anything meaningful from either of them basically all night because I, I didn't Latara, yes, Jacko, no, but they do. They, to be fair to them, they do play the hold up balls really well. They, they know their team is very, very well suited to, you know, lob the ball over the top and then get the ball on the on the the chest or feet or header, play it off and keep going right to to get like yeah, but they they didn't even do that. Like any time Inter, anytime Inter put the ball in the air. The, there was we nothing for them. Yeah, it, the first half, no. The second half, yes. I'd say they they did they did have a lot 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 more um, ability to create, but a lot. But of it was, was after from, they were chasing the game yeah, and they were throwing the, bodies forward. Yeah, it was after they were chasing the game and City's mistakes. You know, like Latara's chance in the second half. I think that came from a mistake from Akanji slash. Yeah, I, I can't really know who to blame. That I'd probably blame Akanji for that mistake. Just, just um, the miscommunication either way. Yeah, it's a miscommunication either way. But it, it like I said, it, for, for me, if City played, like, I don't think we had a great game, right? And, and you, you're not really going to have a great game in Champions League finals, let's be honest. Like, it's a final. We, it, it, like, even against United, we didn't have a great game, right? And it's the nature of playing a final game, right? You, you, you play a bit more compact. You play with a bit more nerves. You feel like there's more on the line because you don't you don't have a backup game, right? Like you're not at home. It, it's all these factors come into play when it's a final, right? So either way, but and this is the funny thing. So half time, I'd say I felt like we were losing, right? Because like like you said, there's an expectation for us to win the game. Surprisingly, I was a little bit calm though. Um, I like. It was a weird feeling. I, I was actually surprisingly very calm at halftime. I'm usually very nervous in these scenarios, but I was so calm. I don't know why. I just felt, okay, yeah, it's nil all. Nothing's really happened. <laughs> That's what it felt like. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, oh, we missed a great chance to score or they've, or they've had so many chances to score. I was just, it was just 45 minutes of cagey football and it's like, okay, cool. Move on to the ne- next half and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I... City definitely weren't at their best. Like, we, we know that. Um, but one thing, like, for example, just some misplaced passes that we've never seen before. Like, Rodri gave the ball away, I think, twice in the first half. Yeah. I don't think he's R- ever R- done R- that before. Remember that Ederson pass where he tried to pass it out wide and he just shanked it completely? And yeah, it just that was surprising. Straight out of, yep. like, it's yep. like stuff like that just doesn't happen. And that's fine. Like, you got to remember, like, these guys are still human beings and i know they have uh the champion or most of them have the champions league final from two years ago to have experience on but 
they have as much pressure as anybody on them because you, you know the pressure it is for City to win their first. And these guys are like, you know, they're they're thinking, really, are we going to lose a second Champions League final that we were favored in? Like, are we going to fuck it up again? And so, like, they're... You could tell by the final whistle they were just relieved. So for them, it was have- it was nerves and pressure just as much. Like nobody on our team has won had won a Champions League before that, except for Scott Carson. So yeah, basically, yeah. So the, you like you have to win your first Champions League too, top. losing at Dortmund as well, like yeah. losing in penalty kicks at Dortmund. Like it's just they they just needed this one to get over. So they weren't at their best. And, uh, you know, the first half showed that mm. on to the second half. They they still did a great job just not letting Inter do anything. I think that was the biggest thing in the first half is Inter really had nothing. Yeah. So, something I just want to talk about before we jump in the second half. So Kevin De Bruyne goes down with an injury at half uh, 30 minutes probably. Um, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that kind of sent a bit of shivers into me, but... Surprisingly, Foden came on and he did really well, to be honest. So, yeah, like if if you want anybody to be subbed on, like Phil Foden for Kevin De Bruyne, you know what I mean? Like that's, I I would say it like this: um, we were lucky that Kevin De Bruyne was the one that got injured, right? Like if it was Rodri, it would it would have been a different oh, a story. Disaster. Like if it was, or like you know. It, it, just one of those positions where you don't have like you can fill for it, but it's just not the same. Um, at least with Kevin De Bruyne and Foden, it's like oh, we're still bringing on one of the best players in the world. Like he might not be Kevin De Bruyne at least right now in his career, but like, is anybody really going to be mad that Foden's coming on? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's I, uh, that's the best consolation you can get when De Bruyne goes off injured. Yeah, I, ju- I just feel bad for Kevin. You know, two finals in a row, two times he copped a really bad injury, and I think he's going to miss a lot of time. I, d- I don't think he'll. St- I don't think he'll play any bit of August. From no, he- he's going to be slowly integrated back, which is fine. Yeah, he deserves yeah, it. Fine. Give him all the rest he needs. And that- and to be honest, that will give Phil a real good chance to start in that midfield role, basically, for the whole startup next season, um, which will be great for him because I'll be... I think Pep's now got him down pat for that position um, and basically it's, it's going to become his next season and I hope he does really well. I think Foden's got a chance to just take that position by, you know, as I say, by the horns and just keep going with it, you know? So, I'm, yeah. I'm looking forward to that next season. I think it's going to be interesting because I, I actually don't think Kevin's going to play till like, September, maybe, maybe even... October. He's got a grade three hamstring tear, so they're usually really serious. They take a long time to recover. I don't expect him to go into surgery or or any recovery <laughs> for a couple of weeks anyway, because he's going to need a break. He's going to need to. Um, you've know, got the celebrations coming up. All these things are going to happen. So yeah, I won't expect him back anytime soon. So it might be the last bit of Kevin De Bruyne we see for until like October next year. Which is fine. I think we'll be fine um, to start next season. Um, but yeah, yeah, jumping into this, just jumping second half. Uh, you know, more of the same basically in the second half, right? From the first half, I don't think much changed in terms of how we were playing. We, we did have a bit of more freedom 
John fucking Stones was, you know, playing as an eight slash hybrid center back, hybrid defensive midfielder. He was everywhere in, in that second half. I think that was the biggest change for me, seeing Stones making a lot more runs on, you know, on multiple areas, right? <laughs> it was crazy to see him with the things he was doing and the dribbling that he was doing around Inter uh, near the box. You know, he was, he was playing like a mid, like a, an attacking midfielder. I don't know what I was watching anymore. I was like, it's like, who is this guy? Is he a centre-back? What is he? <laughs> he was incredible. Like, absolutely incredible. And we built up more through the right side in the second half. And that's where the goal came from as well. Um, yeah. But, yeah, like, Foden really started to come alive more in the second half. And that kind of number 10 position at the top of the diamond he played it perfectly, honestly. Like, he's different than Kevin De Bruyne. He's, but he's the same type of like playmaker. Like, you put the ball to his feet and he can just make magic happen. And so he, he, he did well. And I think the entire, like, what I love too is that Rodrigo was like an entire team's worked goal. Like, if you watch it, the buildup started like a minute or two before just like how they progressed down the field. And it was like, it was a team goal and a Kanji filling in that space that came from two to three minutes of city moving into around. And then a Kanji fills in that space, draws out the center back is able to get it through because the center backs kind of drawn out. And then Rodri's goal comes from that. From, you know, Bernardo gets the deflection. And next thing you know, Rodri is at the edge of the box with that shot. And that what a beautiful shot, by the way. I mean, if you watch it from there, that one angle behind Rodri, you can see he like curled it around the two yeah, inter yeah. defenders. Yeah. When I first watched it, I thought he just blasted it in, but he, he like passed he that around that. them. Yeah, he placed that perfectly. And look, and, and the, the great thing about, the goal is, you know, the two final players who, you know, Kanji and Rodri. I know, I know, Bernardo done the little bit of a cutback and it got a lucky deflection. But I think the two more important parts of that of of what happened in that sequence comes down to Kanji and Rodri, and it's fitting because the the two have had such a fantastic year. They've both been our basically our talismans in defense. The only the like if you look at the entire season with injuries and uh, consistency, etc., Akanji and Rodri have been there in every single game, and it's so fitting that Akanji basically done as uh, what you call a hockey assist, basically, where he passed the ball first, you know, perfect pass, perfect weight um, to cut through that defense to spot Bernardo's little run, um, and like you said, Rodri's Rodri's finish was fantastic and. <laughs> and that that three seconds or four seconds, whatever it was, between the ball just rolling out and then Roger running onto it, oh, I haven't celebrated a goal like that all season. I, I'm very reserved when it comes to celebrating goals usually, more because it's like, A, there's a VAR involved all the time, so I don't really like, I, I don't really like jump up and down and celebrate or whatever. But that goal... I haven't celebrated a goal like that in a long time and I was like jumping up and down and I like broke my headphones I think on the ground um, you know and 
I chucked something. I don't know what I did in that moment, but I was basically limbs. <laughs> Honestly, like it was crazy. Yeah. I haven't been that emotional from a goal for a very long time because it was such a, it was such an intense build up, not just for the game but up to that moment, because it was I think it was sixty seventh minute or sixty sixth minute that the goal came. So there was a yeah, whole- and we hadn't scored a goal in the final before either. Yeah, we didn't score yeah. Against so Chelsea. It, it was this whole like build up to get this relief of a goal. But yeah, I haven't felt that emotional from a goal in a long time, and I was just like, okay. All right, now we need to hold on for 15 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever, whatever was left. I think mean, it was 20 minutes left. And I'm just like, it was the 67th hold- minute. Yeah, I'm like, can we hold on? And I was just counting down the minutes from literally from as soon as that goal went in, I was just counting down the minutes. Um, and then yeah, <laughs> some absolute, like I said, you know, in the previous podcast, madness can happen in football. And there was some fucking madness in the last 20 minutes of this game. You know, they, this was a knife's edge of a game, you know. And and that's and that's football, right? You can have crazy moments that go in and don't go in. <laughs> and, you know, you look at... Let's talk about Lukaku's chance, right? Like, how the fuck do you miss that? <laughs> I'm yeah. glad you did. And then you had, had the header chance that when it came off the crossbar and then he went for another shot. I think it was DeMar... Yeah, DeMarco... Headed Marco, it off right? the crossbar, moved across, and went to head it again. And Lukaku was perfectly <laughs> standing right in front of him. <laughs> Lukaku blocked it again. Like, like it's just little th- little moments like that. That's another day. That's a goal for Inter, right? And that was three minutes. The Demarco chance was three minutes after we scored. It's three minutes after we scored. So, like, imagine how heads would have gone after that if they did score. And it, it's funny though. Once we did score. I was just like, we've won it. I just, I just, I don't know why. I, I just had a feeling that we've won it. Even though all this crazy madness happened afterwards, and you're just like, what, what, what is happening? I just knew we'd win it. It's just like, I think we've done it. I think not. I don't think Inter got a score, and I don't know. Maybe it was <laughs> ridden in the stars, as they, as they say. I don't know, but that was the feeling I got um, after we scored. Maybe it was just the emotions of how we felt, how I felt after that goal winning. But yeah, like I said, I, I haven't celebrated a goal like that. And then the chances that Inter had, that header and that save, you've got to give credit to Edison. Edison had a fantastic Champions League campaign. I was reading a stat today. He saved 90% of his shots on target. 90%. I think it, yeah, I think it was like 27 out of 30 or something like that. Yeah, it was 26 out of 30 shots he saved this season in the Champions League. No one comes close so for him to have those stats, you know, and that was one of the biggest things that you know me and you talked about it on, on a previous pod earlier this season, where I was saying, is Edison gonna give us those Champions League moments? You need to have a goalkeeper to give you Champions League moments. You know, every every Champions League winners has had fantastic keepers where they do critical saves, and he's done that this season. He's done great saves against Madrid, against Bayern, and now he's done it in the Champions League final. He'd done it, you know. Although Lukaku could have put that ball anywhere, right? Edison still had to move across and still and generally in those scenarios where the ball has that much power on it from a header at point blank, it usually just bounces off the keeper and it goes in anyway, right? But he shifted his body enough and actually kicked at it to get it out. And then fucking Ruben Diaz, I don't know how he headed that out. I thought he would have scored a known goal there, but he did. And 
those are the things, those are the moments you need. And that's the things that we had this season that we haven't had in previous seasons. The defense was, and the back line, all of it was just phenomenal, right? Like it's phenomenal. It's, that's the word that I want to use, phenomenal, because even even that last chance they had before the final whistle, Edison, I, I don't know if you've seen the the video from behind the goal where Edison hammers it out with his with his fist um, before it goes out for a goal kick and then the, the, the final whistle goes. That's a tough save again. Like he's... He's wrong-footed, then jumps up and then hits it out. You know what I mean? It's and that was off their corner, and that was their last chance of the game. But you know, critical critical moments like that is immense, and it's exactly what you need in a Champions League final. And although Rodri got man of the match for his goal, I actually think Ruben Diaz was man of the match. I don't. I want right, well, to get into. Well, let's go back to Rodri for a second. Um, so w- when I saw that goal, there, a couple things like, like you said, I Sorry, think it I, was. I ranted, I ranted, I ranted on you. Did your five minutes, man? <laughs> okay, I'm um, still so emotional from this game. <laughs> it's it's all good. That's why I just I, I was like, let him cook, let him cook. Um, oh, jeez. <laughs> but Rodri, I mean, he won Champions League Player of the Tournament or player of the season, whatever it was, right? Yeah, he's, he's a defensive deserved. midfielder. He's a best defensive deserved. midfielder. You know what it's I'm saying? Crazy. Like, so when I look at him, not only is he the best defensive midfielder in the world, like get out of here with that Casemiro, Fabinho, or Oh, that's fucking hands shit. down now. Like, it's just not don't, a fucking just debate anymore. But whatever. Not only is he the best defensive midfielder in the world, I think he's probably a top five midfielder in the world, period. And with how, like, what I love about the goals he does score, because they come from usually, like, outside the box or the edge of the box, is he, it's like he passes it into the net. Unless it's, like, one of those Thunder Bastards, which he has a couple of those every year. But the other ones, it's like he passes it into the net. It was the same thing with the second goal against Villa last year. He just like he passes it into the net, and because it, it's like it's perfectly placed, but he's able to get like so much power just from a pass, and that's how this one looked. It looked like he just passed it right into the net, and it's just it's so beautiful to watch because he strikes it so cleanly. Like Fernandinho was really good at those as well, but Rodri's on a different level in terms of like just arriving at the edge of the box. He's a real threat, and that team need to account for or else he'll score. And that was perfectly on display here. So I think Rodri, I agree. Ruben Diaz was the man of the match for me. I mean, just the way he defended, the way he organized, like I think a big thing was the big reason why Jekko was anonymous. Basically the entire was because of him. He won every header. Like, that was a big matchup, and do you, do you he, want some? Do you want some Ruben Diaz stats? Let's hear it. One hundred percent tackles made, one hundred percent take ones completed, most duels won ten, most aerial duels won six, most clearances five, zero dribbled past and zero fouls. Fucking insane. Yeah. Uh, that- Zero fouls, especially with how much like he was involved defensively and not one foul. I think there was 
one part Crazy. in the first half where Lautaro like got the ball and he was starting to get ahead of steam, and Diaz just like took it straight. Like all it was, if Diaz got there a tenth of a second later, it's a foul and probably a yellow card. But Diaz just got in there perfectly and just took it straight away from him, and Lautaro just went flying, and it was just it was yeah, beautiful. He's an immense defender, man. He like it's it's no coincidence that our form kicked back in when he came back into the team from his long term injury. Um, and <clears throat> if you actually think back when we signed him, since he's been a Man City player, we've won the Premier League three times in a row. He hasn't. <laughs> he's never experienced not winning the league. By the way, right? We've made three Champions League semifinals, including two finals, including winning one. We've won an FA Cup and we've won a League Cup. Since he's been at the club, he's only been at the club for three years, and look how much he's already achieved. I, I actually think he's comfortably the best centre back in the world right now. Would you agree with that? Uh, I would agree with that if there wasn't a man named John Stones right next to him. <laughs> but John Stones is not a like, defender. Did you see where? He, did like, you see where? He, hold that's on, that's the you crazy see, part. Did you see where they fucking put John Stones in for the team of the year for for the Champions League? He's yeah, he was in midfield. defensive midfield. It's sorry, it's I'm so swearing weird. a lot. I am sorry. I am sorry. This is definitely an explicit um, <laughs> episode. But man, they put him in midfield, dude. For all the people who compared Ruben Diaz to Christian Romero. Get the fuck out of here. Like, <laughs> I, I was tired. I'm tired of that. Like, anyways, we're we're not talking about that anymore, but, like, come on. Ruben I'm, Diaz uh, has I'm been tired of absolutely... all the bullshit agendas, man. <laughs> it's, not even, it's not even about, like, the defending part of it, which he's amazing at, it, but it's about, like, he looks more excited to defend than like anything else. I think he would rather like block a shot than score a goal. And <laughs> he gets so excited. Like he, they get, and it's like infectious on the team because he's the organizer. Like we heard this from day one, from the very first game, everyone was saying that he is the organizer. He's constantly talking and shouting yeah. all game. And, we needed somebody like that. Like there was a void left after Vincent Company left because he was that guy on our team. And I think Diaz is Ruben. Ruben felt maybe, but I'm saying like that role of like you need yeah. a leader on that back line. You you need somebody that's vocal because I think Stones is probably better now, but he's not super like vocal as a leader. Laporte wasn't that guy. I think Ake is more of that, but like. Diaz is just, you need like the rock and that's yeah, what company was. And that's what Diaz brings. I think that's why city signed him is they said like, we need, he's probably not the best passer out from the back. He's, he's definitely above average and he's gotten much better. But when city signed him, they probably thought like we can find somebody who's better at passing out from the back, but we need a general back there. Don't and that's forget. what they found. Don't forget, he was third choice that season. He he wasn't first choice. We had Kulabali that we wanted first, which didn't work out. And then we saw and then we wanted Kionde, I think, from Sevilla. J- Jules Kunde. We wanted yeah. Jules Kunde. We were looking at Diego Carlos also. Yeah, Diego both, Carlos. Both center back. Well. Yep. Both yep. center backs from Sevilla. None of them happened. We go to Ruben Diaz and which we were interested in him the year before. And then he signed an extension with Benfica. Uh, so all the links went away. And then st- 
it came very quickly. Like I remember, I know this is a bit of a tangent, but like it came, like we heard Ruben Diaz's name and like two days later, he's saying goodbye to Benfica fans in his last game. Yeah. yeah. I don't think you remember as well. The, the stuff city fans were saying about him. Do you remember Ruben Diaz on Twitter? That was like, yeah, I mean, people were, nobody knows. Like nobody watched him. Yeah, everyone expected Kulabali. That was the thing. Kulabali was just surefire defender. Even myself, I was like, get Kulabali in, get a sure thing, let's go, and let's go this season. Um, and then to end up with Ruben Diaz, and I think that, that was a messy, the messy, crazy transfer window as well, where we thought we were getting messy. So to go from like no Messi, no Kulabali to Ruben Diaz <laughs> was like everyone was like, oh please, no, what has gone? What, what's gone? What's going on? And then. We haven't looked back. We haven't made. We never made yeah. a Champions League semi-final in, in the Pep Guardiola era until Ruben Diaz arrived. That's something. You yeah, really I mean the the defense he, was just transformed. It transformed. He, he makes the entire line better. Do you, Do you remember the 2021 Champions League final run? Um, you know, with PSG and whatever, and like Zinchenko and John Stones were just crawling on the floor, making blocks and stuff. That's not, that's yeah. Ruben Diaz, man. That's what Ruben Diaz does to a team, and, and they're like chest bumping after, like yeah, they, they're getting excited. Three years later, we've won the Champions League, man. That's that's what he's brought to this team, and I, st- I still don't feel like he gets the credit he deserves. But he's just he's an immense player, man. Like I, you look at the statistics and the things he does, and the times he's made crucial stops in a game or a crucial block in a big game. And he's like, what a fucking player. What a player. And, and what's more impressive is, like, he's not the best athletically either. Like, he doesn't have loads no. of pace or anything like that. He's just always in the right position. That's, like, fundamentals are great. And I think that can lead to him having, like, a very good career later on. Like, he could be one of those center backs like Tiago Silva. Like Tiago Silva, who's like still really good at like 37, 38 years old. I think he's like one of those guys because they're just so sound defensively. They're hard workers, they're organizers, and it doesn't like they don't rely on their athleticism to be. Whereas, like, I look at someone like a Virgil van Dyke, who is more like a Sergio Ramos, like their, their athleticism yeah. is very important to how they play and once that goes in your mid 30s or even early 30s then it starts to fade and we saw that with Sergio Ramos and that's why Tiago Silva looks like he's having a way better end of his career than Sergio Ramos is so same same thing with Van Dijk Van Dijk fell off after his after his injury and after his athleticism started to fall off very very similar Ruben Diaz is probably one of the hardest workers and the ultimate professional that's what um, Pep's always said about him. Like the, yeah, he's him, first in, last out. Yeah, they call him crazy because his routines and the things he eats and he's the ultimate professional. Like, he's, he's, he knows, I think he knows he's not the most talented, but he gets on, he gets there on she hard work, right? So, obviously, he's got a talent. You can't, you can't be a top footballer without talent, but he has that hard, a hard work and this ability just to you know, buckle down and do what you need to do to get to where you would need to be. And that's what he's done. And that's, and, and I think he's, he's the embodiment of our transformation in defense. Yeah. 
I, I agree. And even John Stones, like John Stones looks like a completely different player ever since Diaz came in. That's I, I don't, don't think that's a coincidence. I don't know what the fuck John Stones is anymore, um, Sam. Honestly, I don't think he, he's the same player that like, I feel like <laughs> they just like switched him out with somebody different because if you look that, at like the John that Stones biscuits from, I'm looking at, <laughs> seriously, it's, like, it's crazy. But uh, yeah, I Do mean, you know, the, the, so the, those dribbles he was doing around the box, by the way, John Stones. Incredible. Uh, I, I, I was flabbergasted. I was like, so what am I watching? What, who is this player? Is is this is this center back John Stones who everyone was giving shit for for not knowing how to put a pass to, from the back line and making mistakes and all this bullshit? Is this guy doing dribbles around the inters in in in, in inters box in a Champions League final? Are you kidding me? <laughs> he, I mean, he's just he's incredible. So, and I think so. One thing to kind of bring it back to, like, Inter's chances were that's one thing I think this team is was built for more than teams in the past is, like, they were ready to suffer. You're not yeah. going to be able to control every minute of every game in Champions League. You're just not. And unless you're, like, 2011 Barcelona, that's that's a whole different story. But... You're not going to be able to, so you have to learn to suffer. I think Pep said that before, like that, those exact words. Like you have to, you have to suffer. You have to defend, and that's why Diaz and Ake are so good because you have to, like, you just have to suffer. And in those moments, that's what we did. Is we like, they got down, they defended, they didn't fall apart. Everybody kind of made their, like, chipped in, made their their saves. Honestly, it reminded me of like when we played Atletico last year and it was the second leg and they just needed one goal and they were just coming at you in waves. You have to be able to soak up that pressure at least for a period of time. Like obviously you shouldn't be doing that for 90 straight minutes, but you there's going to be times in the game where it's chaotic and that's what the end was and you have to learn how to sustain against the chaos. And, and kind of embrace the chaos and go against it because you're you're just not going to be able to pass it around the park to end the game. You're, you're just not. So the fact that they did that, the great saves, um, and and the the bit of luck that's involved. But luck's always involved. Like it's the Champions League. Everybody needs some luck. Look at Real Madrid last year. Everybody 100%. needs luck. 100%. So you need luck to win the, to win everything. Yeah. Everybody needs luck. Like, there's a lot less luck involved in winning a Premier League title because it's sustained performances over 38 games, right? Yeah. It's very rare in to a win Champions a League, League luck. Yeah, you, you can't win it on luck. You might get lucky in a game or two with stuff, but, you over know, it's not like... It balances itself out. Exactly. So, it, you're not winning it on luck, but what you are doing is you're going like you're just going to have times where you need to get lucky and city did that like i think multiple times this year city's been unlucky and the, and they've been lucky so the luck came at the right time i think like one of the times it was i'd say a little more lucky or at least fortunate was like the first game against bayern i don't think we like the scoreline 3-0 didn't reflect how that game went 
but you know that those are things you have to do to win and city did those things this year and i think it was the first time we've really seen that yep. and it was just it was it was beautiful so let's kind of move forward what i guess is more impressive or not even impressive like what do you value more a treble or just winning the champions league <laughs> so for me the initial feeling was european champions so at at the final whistle my emotions went through the roof i haven't cried i don't think like i in the last 5 years i've only cried probably like 3 or 4 times and two of those times were for when my kids were born and now crying for it, for us winning the European Cup. And I think that's what, that's what it's all about. That's what it means. You know what I mean? That's And that's the range of emotions that this team brought for me. Um, I was just so emotional because, like, I've wanted this for so long and for us to finally do it, it meant so much. And I feel like, uh, to me, that's what that's what it was all about. It, it, at the end of the day, winning the European Cup is the pinnacle in 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 in, in my mind, right? If you if you win the European Cup as a as a football team, that's it. You've it's the pinnacle, right? You can't you can't do any better than that. And, you know, although a lot of people say, "Oh, the Premier League, the Premier League, the Premier League," the Premier League is fantastic. I love winning the Premier League, but you're not going to win the Champions League every year. We know how difficult it is because, like you said, you need luck. You need things to go right for you. You need Lukaku's header not to go <laughs> to hit Edison's leg. You need, you know, the mistakes you make to go in your favor. You need a bit of luck to score a goal sometimes. Um, you know, you could be the and we like we like I was saying to you before. I wanted us to win it because I knew we were the best team in Europe. But sometimes not not always the best team in Europe wins the Champions League. You know, we've probably been one of the best teams in Europe every year for the last five, six, seven years. But, we but you, need, you need to go out and prove it. You need to go and prove it. And Champions League has a bit of a different medal to a team than anything else, I, th- I feel like. And you've seen it, right? You've seen it in this game. It's a perfect example of why it's so difficult to win. We were the better team. We were... Um, hands down the best team in the world, right? But nerves kick in. You start making sloppy passes. Things go wrong. Shit can happen, right? But at the end of the day, you need that luck just to get you over the line. So for me, that was the emotion for me. And that's why I was like, okay, we finally did it. We done it. And it just meant everything. It, it, and, and, then it, and then then the treble kicks in and then he's like, holy like, what have we just done? What have we just achieved? Like we're saying at so, the beginning of the pod, I spent hours soaking it in, hours and hours, and I st- I'm still soaking it in. I still, I'm still spending hours every day just trying to soak it all in and watching videos, watching content. I'm sure I'll listen to all the city podcasts that are going to come out over the next week um, about this because you just want to soak it in. You want to, you want to, you want to, you want to see and feel how other city fa- fans felt as well. So, what I, I agree with you. I think honestly, maybe we see it a little more because we're not in England. Because it seems like 
the Champions League means less to the people in England um, than it does to people outside of England. I, I'm not entirely sure why. I, I mean, I get it. Like the Premier League is is the competition, right? But for a couple of reasons, I think one, like that City have not won the Champions League before is a big thing. But two, I think it takes you to a different stratosphere when you are Champions League winners. Like when you, who is the biggest team in the world? It's Real Madrid, Madrid right? Because they've won it 48 and times. They, yeah, they've, they've won it 100,000 times, right? <laughs> Who's one of the, who are the other biggest teams in the world? Bayern Munich. Who wins the Champions League a lot? Bayern Munich. Nobody's watching the fucking Bundesliga, right? Nobody's watching La Liga. They're watching the Champions League. There's a reason that Champions League finals are the most watched event other than World Cup finals. Like, if you look yeah. at, like, how it's many people the, watch them. It's bigger than the Super Bowl. It's bigger than Yeah, and, the, and this was the most watched final since 2017 as well, I, which I thought I'm was sure incredible. How, I'm not sure how true that stat is. It might be an Italian stat, so, like, an Italian viewership. I don't know. I, but Yeah, I was, I was looking at other viewership numbers, and I was like, mm, maybe, maybe it's not. But The, think, the point is, is that it's, yeah. it's a global it's a, it's thing a that takes yeah. City... And that takes City to a completely different level, right? Like, look at Liverpool. Let me let me ask you something. Like, if Liverpool didn't have Champions League wins, nobody would give a shit about them. You know what I'm saying? Like, because they, they have won Premier League in 30 years. Without Champions Leagues, what do they have? You know what I'm right. saying? You, so you said it, you said it best before. Just sorry, just to um, interject here. You said it just best just a little bit, like two minutes ago, when you said. You don't know what it's like until you win it, right? I don't think mm-hmm. City fans have appreciated it because they haven't won it before. But now that they've won it, I guarantee you every single City fan will be saying, yeah, okay, this is the pinnacle. This is what we want now every year. Because you don't get this feeling. It's, it's feeling is just something different. Like exactly like you said. You said it and, and look at the players. That. Like look at the players. The players, it means more to them than any any other trophy. Like – They've won fucking five Premier Leagues by now, a lot of them. You, th- but they, the second that whistle hit, they all broke down crying. There's a reason for that. Like, it's almost like a World Cup final to them. You know, it's obviously a little different because you're playing for your country. But, like, and they, they even said it after the FA Cup. They kept saying, one more. Like, that's the trophy we want. We want that trophy. And that's what matters and that like it it just takes you to a different level that's the trophy the players want that's the reason real madrid can go get jude bellingham right jude bellingham's not there to win la liga he's not there to win copa del rey he's there to win champions leagues and i like that's the and on top of just that it, in terms of like club profile and a club branding like this puts city in another category as well in terms of like the money for shirt sales the just the the fandom around the world like the the support like and jason I mean, you know this like we we both come from middle eastern backgrounds when you go to the middle east who does who who's everybody a fan of 
Real Madrid. Uh, Real Madrid. Everybody's a Real Madrid. Yeah, everybody's Madrid or Barcelona. Nobody watches anything else. Yeah. It's Madrid and Barcelona. And that's like City, by winning the Champions League, can get themselves to that stratosphere. That's yeah. It's just a completely different level of club. And and not only that, like like I said, everyone's gonna appreciate it more. Like, and I've we've talked to a lot of city fans, and a lot of city fans have said they've cried after we won it. I they I think they realize now what it means to win a European Cup. And I've heard this from other fans, from other rival clubs who have won it. They they'll always say to us, they've always said to me, and you won't know until you won it what it feels like. And that's kind of why I probably crave the feeling so much because. <laughs> It's like you're getting you're getting secondhand experience, right? It's like no, I want the I want the feeling for myself, um, and you appreciate it more. And oh, the range of emotions, woof, woof, haven't felt like that in a long time. Um, the joy, it's just something else, man. Something else. And honestly, what I think makes it even better is that it's the very last game of the season, because that like. Too. In in years past, it's like, oh yeah, City season's done, but we still have the Champions League final to watch, you know, fucking Real Madrid or Juventus or whoever's in it, right? This is like, oh, the season's over now, and you're going out on the highest high you can get. Before it was like it's bittersweet because you know, we'll win a trophy, we'll win the Premier League, but we're like shit. The FA Cup's next week and the Champions League final, we're not in it. But this is like Season's over. You you just left it on the high, and the season's immediately over, and you're you're coming back in what two months? So yep. it's crazy, but that I think that makes it feel even better that there's there's not a game left. Like this is the the Super Bowl in a, in a way, and yeah, it's just it's joyous, and I think it also just takes the the pressure off of the players and the fans for like the next time around. Like I think now we obviously want to keep winning more, right? More Premier leagues, more champions leagues. I've got a everything. We're, we're winning the champions league next year. Yeah, it's very possible. But like, honestly, the thing is you're not as disappointed. The, the thing is though, you're not as disappointing if we don't. Right. Yeah. That every year, that, but like it's, it's, it's because the monkey's off the back. It's gotta be so much yeah, easier. Yeah, that, that that's what I'm saying. So it's much like, easier, but yeah, it'll it'll be easier for the players. Like the, just mentally, they'll know they've climbed the mountaintop, so it's easier to do it again, at least mentally. But like, even for fans, every year it's like, ah, oh, shit, we didn't win it again. Like we just need to get it right. Mm. That's not how you feel anymore. It's like. You're obviously disappointed. You don't win, but it's not. You don't have, like you said, you don't have the monkey on your back. That's for the players or the fans. And so, kind of the the at least the big part of pressure is off. And I think that's that's one reason that Pep likes to have squad turnover every couple of years, um, or in some like squad rotation, is because. You want the hunger in those players. You want guys who haven't won it before to come back, or guys who, or some experienced guys who know how to win it. Either one. So you you want the hunger in the players to always be there, and the hunger was there this year, 
and let's just they're gonna keep it going it but what i love is like just a lot of the pressure is off just because the monkey is off of their back and i i love it i absolutely love it it's it's a great feeling to just finally have that off like ticked off the list and and to do it winning a treble as well like that's just <laughs> it tops it all off <laughs> yeah do, do, do you know do you know what i've really really enjoyed the last you know 48 hours or however long it's been now God, it, to, it for me in australia so we're recording this what 10 o'clock at night my time right now um it was five o'clock in the morning yesterday. The game, right? So it hasn't been that long, but it's felt like a lifetime already, um, just because of how much I've tried to soak in. Um, but the <laughs> yeah, look, it's just it, it, the feeling has just been insane. But what I really, really, really enjoyed is the absolute vitriol from rival fans. Has <laughs> been so, so, so sweet. It it's. You know people are hurt for us to win this and to do it with a treble, you know that they're hurting badly. But they can't say anything. They literally cannot say anything. You know it's bad when someone has to refer to 115 charges <laughs> to just try have a little shot at shot back at you. Because uh, you've, I, done a, you've done a treble. There's nothing really you can say. There's nothing you can say yeah, that's going to bother I, any City fan. <laughs> Honestly, I just don't care. Like, yeah, that's the thing is like I, yeah, I just don't. I just don't care. Like I, it's fun to see it, but I, at the same time, I just don't care because exactly, we, like exactly. you're not gonna kill my vibe. You're just not. Exactly. You you, whatever do you do, whatever you do, you're not gonna kill my vibe. You're not like that's that's their goal, right? Their goal is to try to like get you angry and and or take away your happiness. Or do something. Yeah, it's like oh, you spent yeah. so much money. It's like, dude, I didn't give a fuck. We just won the treble, mate. Like, what are you gonna I, say I don't to care. me? What- what, do you, what can don't you care. say that's going to even touch my soul right now? <laughs> I don't care. I And I hope that City goes out and spends half a billion dollars this summer just to rub it in their face again. I don't <laughs> care. But I don't care. Like, yes, I don't think it's say whatever. Saying. Like, I just, I, I couldn't I care could less legit, what they say. You're not going to ruin my happiness. I, yeah, I could legit go a whole season not winning another trophy, two seasons, whatever. I can just live in this moment for another two, three years and I'll still be satisfied with how this season went because you're not winning a treble. Like, I don't think we'd win a treble again. Like, it would be crazy if you ever do it again, but it probably won't ever happen again, right? And if if it does, I'll love it, but I don't think it'll ever happen again. So, I'm just going to live this moment and enjoy and savor every single moment of it. And that's what I think every City fan should do, savor these moments. They're not going to be around here forever, you know, Shakeman still might sell the club in three years and change of ownership, change of management, change of, um, you know, Pep Guardiola, whatever it is, but something could happen. And we'll, we'll always have this. We'll always yeah, have this. You'll, you always have this. So you just got to savor these moments, you know, take them in, put them into your heart because that's what it's all about, man. So it's all. About. Yeah. Well, we'll always have this. And, you know, one thing that, we're going to enjoy as city fans is like this success is like you said, it's not going to be here forever. So you just need to enjoy it now. And like we're Pep Guardiola is not going to coach city forever. I hope he does, but you know, errors will always come to an end. Errors will always come to an end 
but you need to enjoy it while it's here because whoever we get next is not going to be Pep Guardiola. And so, and you know, things will drop off. And like, look at where the club was when he started, right? Like, it was an aging squad. It was a team who was good in England. Obviously, at that point, we had won two titles, but we weren't like the top and we weren't really competing for Champions League trophies. You know, like we were firmly in the Champions League, but we were never really a threat, right? And now look at where we are. Like we are firmly the best club in Europe. We've been it for a couple years and or at least up there, right? Even if we're not the best, it's like when you're looking at the top three, like always best there. teams in Europe, we're always there, right? Yeah. And it doesn't look like it's dropping any. We just signed the most coveted striker in this generation a year ago. He chose City. Everybody wanted him. He chose City. Um, And we were also like in the running for most generational midfielder in this generation as well, like for us to be even considered in the top three, like that is so different than where we were before he started. Like before the signings we were making were Wilfred Boney and Fernando, right? That's not Bakary Sanya that we're on a different level. Now it's a different stratosphere and, and Pep has taken us there. Yep. Save these moments. Well, that's, that's, that's how I think we should end this pod because, like you said, they're not going to come around every year and a treble's probably never going to happen again, but I'm just going to keep this forever. I'll never I'll never forget the range of emotions I went through this season. And I can't imagine how, you know, City fans that have, you know, you talk about 1999 <clears throat> when United done their treble, they were, they were at Wembley, you know, against Gillingham. So, for us to be here and for those fans to be here, you know, I can't imagine how they feel. <laughs> like, if I went through the emotions I went through, um, you know, as an international fan, I can't imagine what they'd be going through. Like, it's insane. All, all we have left now, like, it, City has really kind of completed everything in football now in terms of what they've won. Really, there's only one thing left. And that's the score a goal at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. <laughs> Once we do that, I feel like Pep's just going to retire immediately. <laughs> Let, let's let's hope let's hope Spurs keep the challenge every year, and we don't score there ever again. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Let's let's never score there, man. I just want to win the treble every season. Look, I'll trade a treble every year for never scoring at (laughs) for scoring at Tottenham at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Yeah, fuck it. You can. That's your trophy, Levy. You can put that in the cabinet, prick. (laughs) Uh, All right. Well, let's wrap this thing up. Let's wrap it up. Let's wrap it up. God, what a podcast. What I mean, just what 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 a time to be alive. I can talk for another hour, but let's be honest. I don't think anyone yeah. wants to hear me ramble on for another hour. And yeah, you know, no, nobody wants to hear us. <laughs> Everybody's probably already tired of us, so it's all good. Look, we'll give, we'll give it everyone uh, an hour and twenty minutes. Let's 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 end it there. <laughs> all right, yeah. Uh, so just an update on the podcast. We'll probably do some periodic ones throughout the summer. It's not going to be as regular as every week, just because well, there's not really as much to talk about. Um, 
but we'll do some we'll do some fun ones um and just look for us periodically awesome guys enjoy this trouble catch you guys after see ya thanks